Support for Eagles Enemies is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. And that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 2.0, very similar to how we hope Howie Roseman has sat down with this Eagles front office and constructed the ultimate roster. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology pioneered by Manscaped. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. So you can take a longer, you can shave for the duration of one and a half football games. That simple. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology that's about as fast as the Eagles wide receivers will be running down the field all season long catching passes from Carson Wentz. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by the simple USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Like I said, get 20% off and free shipping with the code USP at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code USP. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get into Season 3, Episode 1 of Eagles Enemies. Presented by Underground Sports, Philadelphia. Reach out, it could be better than a fantasy. I got my levels out of place last night was a long one Looking for a quick fix, looking for a shortcut But if I want a game plan uh, for the long run What do I bring to the table, said dumb luck There's a good chance the last thing I pick up Will show up in my sleep and crash all my dreams With some shit I won't repeat Cause it's not what I'm proud of Some heaviness, some pettiness, some things I'm ashamed of Alright Eagles fans, it's another week of dealing with this agonizing football team. They're coming off a win for the first time in a you know well over a month against the New Orleans Saints of all teams, and you guys know my opinion on that win and how I wasn't too thrilled with it just because of messing up our draft position, but we get another crack at going uh, for a hopeful loss in my book just to continue getting up that draft board, but I know a lot of people want wins. Now that Jalen Hurts is the starting quarterback for this team, it's another edition of Eagles Enemies, and I am joined by a first-time guest, the one and only John Venerable, covers the Arizona Cardinals. What's going on, man? Welcome to the show. 
Hey, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's dive into this Cardinals team. They are a ton of fun to watch. Kyler Murray is one of the most electric players, I'd say, over the last five to ten years that we've gotten to see play the quarterback position in just any position in football. How fun is it to cover a guy that just – it seems like every week something new happens with him where it's just like your jaw drops. Yeah, I think I have to put a caveat at the at the top of this just because – you know, people who follow our work and my work know that I was a big Josh Rosen supporter um, pre-draft. I thought that that was a huge coup for the franchise, stealing Josh Rosen. And that clearly was the wrong decision, went up in flames. And so I was always not a, um, a doubter of Murray. I just didn't want the Cardinals to go quarterback consecutive years. It was unheard of. It's hasn't been done in, what, you know, 50 years. So when they made the selection, once I got past the notion that, you know, we, we've wasted a lot of draft picks trading up for Rosen. We got back, you know, 30 cents on the dollar in return for Rosen. And I could just appreciate Kyler Murray as the player. Absolutely. It, it was impossible to ignore the talent and the fact that you, you know, you partner him with, you know, not his former college coach, but somebody who clearly understands how to make Murray work at, some of the highest heights in, in Cliff Kingsbury. So you knew from day one, you wouldn't have to worry about does my head coach and do my quarterback, do they merge and fit each other? Like you would have if Cliff Kingsbury had inherited Josh Rosen. So since day one, Murray has been everything and anything Cardinal fans had hoped for. He elevated a historically bad group of offensive talent in 2019. They were just for your, your listeners, Kyle, the offense in 2018 led by Rosen and a, a different coaching staff was statistically the worst offense of the last 20 years in the NFL, that 2018 Arizona Cardinal team. They were last in every statistical category. Kyler Murray comes in last year in 2019 and essentially with the same group of players outside of a Kenyon Drake midseason acquisition, built them up to 13th overall offensive efficiency via football outsiders and so all he's done this year is just build on that. Now they have taken a little bit of a downturn in terms of production. Part of that could be, you know, defenses figuring out some of Cliff Kingsbury's schemes as he continues to evolve. Murray's gotten banged up, still hasn't missed a, a game yet, but you know, he's on pace for over 40 total touchdowns. Uh, he's got an outside chance at 4,000 passing yards, a thousand rushing yards, which has never been done. And again, he's doing all of this at 5'10, 207 pounds. And the Cardinals still have, I think, pretty glaring lapses in, in terms of elite personnel offensively. This is not certainly Kansas City's roster. This is not the Rams' roster offensively. They've got DeAndre Hopkins, which he's a miracle worker in and of itself, but he's got generally a, a below average to receiving core outside of that. Some of their mid-round selections at receiver hasn't haven't worked out. The offensive line, uh, tackle-wise, is solid. DJ Humphreys is playing well, but the interior isn't much to speak of. And Cliff Kingsbury, while he started the year hot, needs to, needs to, again, continue to evolve as a play caller. So Kyler, again, is is still doing a lot on his own. And so I think the next step in his maturation process with this franchise is can we merge, you know, another successful offseason of personnel acquisitions to get him to what everybody thought this year was going to be the MVP type season, which he's having a very nice season. But the Cardinals still are not a top echelon team to warrant that kind of consideration. But no, he's, he's been a home run selection since day one. Um, they have not had historically any kind of success drafting and developing quarterbacks. 
and you know, barring knock on wood an injury or something unforeseen, he's going to make himself a lot of money and, and hopefully chalk up a lot of wins in Arizona. Yeah, for a while there, it was looking good for uh, my preseason MVP bet on Kyler, <laughs> and uh, just just hasn't panned out, you know, down the stretch. But speaking of the injuries, do you think Kyler is injured? Is is that shoulder? You know, is, is there more to that than what's being led on, or is it a combination of, like you said, you know, teams kind of figuring some things out about, uh, you know, Kingsbury's offense and and stuff like that, where they're able to get to Kyler. Or do you think there is something more to that shoulder injury? Uh, I, I don't think structurally there's nothing going on. I think it's just typical wear and tear. I mean, listen, Kyler only played one year of, of starting college football uh, at Oklahoma. And so he's going really three straight seasons in a row for the first time since high school uh, and clearly at a much higher level. And so last year he missed part of the season finale against the Rams. Um, and they're so reliant on him and his mobility that I feel like they've tried to overcompensate for that in recent weeks, which has led to some of their more jarring losses and, and specifically offensive ineptitude. And so on a, the the Sunday of the Hale Murray game against Buffalo, they had to turn around after playing a very physical game against a, a, a contender in Buffalo and play the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night. And that's when the injury happened. But again, he stayed in the game. And then they had to play New England, which, say what you want, Belichick against young quarterbacks, very physical. They had to play a physical Rams team. And so he really didn't have a chance to come up and breathe really until last week. And, and Giants are, are a solid team defensively. But I, to me, he looks fine. He was moving a little bit better last week. Um, he's been a full participant in practice since that first week after the Seattle game. I think it. I would lean more toward Cliff Kingsbury as a play caller this year while still pretty solid. Uh, I mean, the Cardinals are top five in offensive efficiency or just total offense. They're number two in rushing, I believe. Um, and again, I say that with limited personnel to speak of, they're not going to have pro bowlers up and down the roster. I still think cliff needs to be more dynamic. Their, their vertical passing game taking place in the middle of the field just hasn't come to fruition this year. Most of it's down the sideline. They run a lot of screens to, to a very minimal success the design runs for Kyler are kind of few and far between since, you know, the first quarter, quarter and a half of the season. And I will say that teams have, have clamped down on that. But I think it's just I, I don't think it's any one singular thing. I think it's a combination of about three or four different things. And again, I, I, I say this with the fact that they put up 26 points against a pretty good Giants defense last week. They easily could have eclipsed 30. Uh, we're very much prisoner of the moment. You know, after the Hale Murray game, everybody was talking about, again, the MVP um, accolade going to Kyler and all that, this and the other. I just think that it's a very long season. And, you know, looking at it, you know, postseason in, in 2021, we'll be able to say, you know, just like anything else, you went through ups and downs. And this is not a historically great offensive team. I think this is a very talented, special player that's gotten beat up. And I don't really think that's because of his size. I just think that's the NFL. So uh, all that to say, I, I don't think he'll be limited in the slightest this weekend against Philadelphia, but I do think that Philadelphia's defensive line in particular poses a difficult matchup for Arizona's interior offensive line. And I think one of the more frustrating aspects of this Cardinals offense has been, you know, the, the Jekyll and Hyde of Kenyon Drake, Chase Edmonds, the back and forth with that. What do you make of the the running back situation for this Cardinals team? Obviously, 
you know, Kyler runs the ball a, a good amount himself as well that takes away from the running backs running the ball. But what do you yeah. make of this running back situation where it, it has been kind of back and forth and now it seems like, you know, it's it's leaning more towards Kenyon Drake, but at any given moment, Chase Edmonds could break off a run and Cliff Kingsbury, you know, starts to favor him again. It's it's difficult to, to bet on week to week. I don't have either of those individuals in my fantasy team for a reason, um, just because I think the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury would love a bell cow back that can do it all. And I think they're going to try to target one in next year's draft. But I also think that right now, Kenyon Drake is not a prolific catching receiving back. And Chase Edmonds is, is very good out of the backfield, but Chase Edmonds isn't particularly good in short yardage situations. Kenyon Drake can get those tough physical yards. I think when you look back at that trade for Drake last year for a throwaway fifth or sixth round pick to Miami midseason, Drake had the kind of second half that showed, oh, maybe they've got something here, a guy who hasn't gotten too many opportunities. And this year he is shown to be a very capable runner. Um, he's going to have over a thousand yards. He's going to eclipse four yards per carry. He's going to have double digit touchdowns, but I think you hit the nail on the head. I think a lot of that is a product of, and give Cliff Kingsbury credit here, his offense. And then of course the presence of Kyler Murray, I think most any back capable back with fresh legs can come into this offense and rush for a thousand yards. And that's again, not to diminish what Drake has done. I just think, you know, he's on a one-year contract. I, I just don't see a scenario in which they bring him back. I think they're going to ride him for these next couple games. But then you, you on the flip side, you're like, well, Chase Edmonds himself is very productive. He's a former fourth-round pick. He is not somebody that I think could be a every down back for a 16-game season the way that a lot of fans think. Again, he's averaging five yards a carry for his career. He's, he's going to eclipse, I think, 500 receiving yards if he's lucky this year. I mean, he's a very useful player, and he's perfect in the role that he has now. But I, I think in the perfect world, Cliff Kingsbury would love to have a Kareem Hunt-type-esque player at running back. They were very in on several backs from this past draft, including Zach Moss uh, out of Utah that eventually went to Buffalo. And that's the kind of player that they want. Uh, and they have – your your viewers can, can eye on this on Sunday. I don't think any team has had more trouble converting on third and short, fourth and short – and part of that is Kyler just historically doesn't go under center. Now, he tried it a little bit last week, but they don't use him on sneaks, and they are very predictable in fourth and short. And that's either because their offensive line interior is not great, their running backs aren't you know, power backs. That's something that they need to address. So if in a, in a perfect world, they could go out and find that back next year in the draft. They could do all of those things. Uh, but right now, they've got a, a bunch of different guys that do one specific thing well, but you know, that's why you see so much mixing and matching. But Drake, to me, is a he's a nice player. Um, he's not special. And I think with Kyler Murray, when you have him and his ability to move on the run, any any back that you find that could be special, you're talking about just a dynamic feature that they just don't have right now. Now that it's come and gone and, and the, the rumors were swirling earlier in the year, what did you make from an Arizona Cardinals perspective of the alleged Zach Ertz trade rumors around the trade deadline with the Eagles and the Cardinals? So I didn't buy too much into it just because, number one, the Cardinals have sunk a couple of their future picks into next year's draft. So they traded away DeAndre Hopkins and, of course, or traded for DeAndre Hopkins 
And part of that was a second rounder this year, but a fourth rounder next year. So the Cardinals don't have a fourth round pick next year. And then they had the injury to Chandler Jones and the defense was not playing particularly well. And so they had to go deal, I believe, a sixth round pick for Marcus Golden, who's come over and played well, former Cardinal who's with the Giants. So they already are down two draft picks. And Steve Kime loves his draft picks, loves to loves to be nimble in the draft. And then when you think about the cap situation next year with everything going on with the pandemic, it could either go down or stay the same. I know they want that flexibility of, of cheap labor in the draft. So I to me, Ertz would have been a, a really nice fit for this offense. Uh, assuming he could stay healthy. I just think if if you're familiar with the player, they have a guy named by the name of Dan Arnold who was undrafted out of uh, UW Platteville. He's 25 years old. He was with the New Orleans Saints and Sean Payton for several years, and Payton stashed him away on, on the practice squad, and the Cardinals claimed him late last year. I think late this November, early December, and he immediately came in and contributed and played well in the last couple games. And this year... He's been a very consistent player for them. And in recent weeks, he's kind of taken off. He's got, I think, over the last three games, uh, a little less than 100 yards, three touchdowns. They are are banking on Arnold being kind of their poor man's Ertz-esque. And again, I'm not saying he's nearly as good as Ertz, certainly not prime Ertz. But I think that he is a very capable pass catcher. And the most important thing is he's young and he's cost effective uh, and he doesn't cost you anything in terms of assets. So I... I didn't buy into the rumors. I, I understand the marriage that people were trying to, to convey. Um, and I think Cardinals need to get more explosive and dynamic at the pass catching position in the off season. So I wouldn't rule it out maybe this off season, but to me, it, it just wasn't a fit during the year. Everything needed to go to what was a fledgling defense at the time. Hey, I mean, in the off season, the Cardinals could just bring back tight end Hakeem Butler. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Don't get me started on that one. Um, with this Cardinals wide receiver core, obviously DeAndre Hopkins is the superstar that he is. Larry Fitzgerald, you know, uh, future former Eagle uh, since, you know, <laughs> 2005, I want to say. Sure, uh, sure. You know, I, I'm sure the, the ghost of Anquan Bolden being an Eagle is going to be out on that field on Sunday as well. But these other receivers that were drafted kind of together, you got Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella, what do you make of those two? I know Christian Kirk's kind of come on as of late with, you know, quite a few productive games in a row where he's been kind of that boomer bust wide receiver for, you know, the majority of his career where if he's not open downfield, he wasn't getting the ball. But what do you make of the, you know, rest of this wide receiver core right now for the Cardinals? I think you hit the nail on the head with Kirk. He is boomer bust. He will have stretches of games where he looks like a poor man's one be the DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he had a very nice stretch earlier this year where he was putting up, you know, 70, 80 yards. He had a stretch where he had five touchdowns in three weeks playing really well. And then you look at the last month of production. He's got under a hundred yards from the last four games. He's got no touchdowns. Um, so he is just too inconsistent for what this team needs. Now he's only 24 years old. He just turned 24. He's a second round pick out of Texas A&M in the Rosen draft in 2018 I like him, I think, more than most, but I can understand his shortcomings. Um, and he's going to do a contract year next year. So he'll be around and he'll have a presence. But I, I think probably the ship has sailed for him to be a bona fide number two receiver. I could be wrong, but he's going to end up with 700, 750 yards probably at the end of this year, if that. 
And to me, the Cardinals right now, as much as I love DeAndre Hopkins, they're too DeAndre Hopkins dependent. Uh, the other name you mentioned, uh, Andy Isabella, is uh, quite frankly, it has been a massive disappointment. And at this point, I, I'm confident calling him a bust. Uh, in a receiver draft that was historic. He was a part of that second-round receiver group in 2019, and he's going to be one of the lone participants, really from the first couple rounds, that is not productive and really could be out of football. He just just doesn't look like he belongs. He's 5'9", 188 pounds, and you can't, you know, they have nobody to blame but themselves. Kingsbury loved Isabella coming out of UMass. Kime thought he was a gamer. They thought he'd be able to come up and put – maybe like eight to 900 yards receiving, but be a dynamic punt returner, kick returner. He just looks timid. I mean, to be frank, quite frankly, he looks like a high school player out there. And last year he couldn't get on the field this year when he's been on the field, he's, he's had mental lapses. He's a body catcher. And then last week it was the first time all year where he was at just a healthy scratch. They didn't even dress him. So he's been a huge disappointment, especially when you consider that, the Cardinals took him two spots ahead of where Phil, or excuse me, um, Seattle eventually took DK Metcalf. So that's salt in the wound for Cardinal fans watching Metcalf become, you know, one of the premier receivers in all football. But then maybe they don't make the Hopkins deal. So all that to say, they need help at receiver this offseason. I would not be surprised if they added a free agent target of note and drafted one. There were rumors of Ceedee Lamb potentially being a target for the Cardinals, and I didn't like that at the time because I was hopeful that one of these young guys could step up. And again, I could say this and and Kirk could go off Sunday, but just outside of Hopkins, their receivers have really struggled to separate Fitzgerald. He's the greatest Cardinal of all time. It's going to be 38 in the off season. I just, I don't think they can consistently bring him back, especially at the number that he wants. And I would think that next year when the Cardinals, you would think are continuing to elevate this roster, he's going to want to return at the hopes of contending for a Super Bowl. I, I am fine having Larry Fitzgerald on this team, but he's making $11 million this year. You, you can't do that, to, in my opinion. So I, I'll say that where I know a lot of Cardinal fans and media are afraid to say that. It's it's funny to me because DK Metcalf is in the same division with the Cardinals, but I swear we as Eagles fans hear DK Metcalf's name more than any other team in the NFL. Because yeah. along with Andy Isabella, we got a guy named J.J. Ortega-Whiteside who's just as productive as him. Uh, yeah. And he can't get on the field either. There um, you go. But when you, you know, sticking with this receiving core, I think they're going to have a fantastic game. Just with all the injuries the Eagles have, Darius Slay is still in the concussion protocol. So that calls for a big uh, DeAndre Hopkins game, in my opinion. Um when you bring up potential wide receivers in the offseason for the Cardinals, because I think it's an interesting thing before we dive more into the game, uh, how would you feel about reuniting Hopkins with Will Fuller? I think it would be a great addition. I think there's concern about durability. Um, and I think the Cardinals, listen, I, I think they made a mistake not targeting Robbie Anderson last offseason. A lot of teams did. You get you get a player like that for $20 million over two years. That's the kind of move I would like to see them uh, acquire, but Fuller to me, I mean, they don't have a home run threat right now on this roster. He'd be a perfect addition, and I wouldn't put it past the Cardinals. I, they're going to be in the mix for all of them. Corey Davis, I wouldn't be surprised that they sniffed around Juju Smith Schuster. Um, and I also would, you know, I haven't, I don't have anything on this. This is just speculatory on my my part. But I think the lack of production and the frustration that has gone on with 
Marquise Hollywood Brown and the Baltimore Ravens and the fact that, you know, they're not really a passing offense and that frustrates Brown. Brown and Kyler Murray are incredibly close. And I know a lot of Cardinal fans wish he would have been there in the second round of the of the 2019 draft. If the Cardinals could somehow pry him away for a couple draft picks from Baltimore, that's the kind of creative move I, I could see them having this offseason on, on top of siding you know, one of the five to seven best free agent wide receivers. I mean, every offseason you look at guys like Emmanuel Sanders, these kind of players are available to have. And so they they need a complimentary guy for Hopkins. But they also you'll see this this week and they also need to draft and develop somebody that can make people miss in the open field and can create and manufacture yards that aren't there. And outside of Hopkins on occasion, they don't have anybody that can do that. They run this play consistently, this horizontal screen to Larry Fitzgerald and thinking that he's, you know, 25, 27 year old fits that can manufacture five to seven yards. And it just, they end up losing yards every time and it's a wasted down. So I, I just think that part of it is Cliff's inability to adapt, but also they just feel like they don't have the personnel right now to maximize a lot of what he wants to do. So they just need playmakers, shifty players that can get out in the open field and, and add yards after catch. And they don't really have anybody that can do that right now. I can only guess how excited he is for this game, but in your opinion, how many giant Sharpie circles are around Sunday's date on Hassan Reddick's calendar for this game? It's it's huge, man. I Here's the thing about Reddick. Um, I was not a fan of the draft pick. Again, you, your listeners are probably like, do you like any of your good players? <laughs> I, I, here's the thing. The Reddick draft pick, and I know he went to Temple, and he's a hometown kid. Um, that was in the 2017 draft. Uh, if you can remember, Cardinals picked 13th overall. We needed a quarterback. Palmer was on his last legs. He had one more year left on his deal. Perfect time to get the heir apparent. And, of course, you know I liked all three of those top quarterbacks. I would have been happy with any one of them. I liked Mahomes and Watson more than Trubisky, but I would have liked Trubisky at 13. I'm not embarrassed to say that. And when Mahomes and Watson fell out of the top nine picks, I was like, this is it. Our, our GM has talked about finding the next quarterback. And then when they allowed Kansas City and Houston to jump them for Mahomes and Watson, I got physically ill that night. And yeah, Reddick was, quote unquote, a, a top 10 draft product coming out that year he dominated the senior ball he was a defensive end freak former walk-on db at temple i got all that but i also knew that at the time the cardinals had two really good edge rushers and marcus golden and chandler jones so when they when they picked reddick and they're like well we're going to transition to inside linebacker it just from the day one i know a lot of cardinal fans were like you're associated with our huge misfire that led to multiple years of them trying to remedy that i mean you think about back-to-back drafts where they took then Rosen, then they had to bottom out to get Kyler. And I think it all stems from that 2017 draft. So then they play Reddick out of position for each of the next couple of years, trying to shoehorn him in at inside linebacker. And there's this great story by the local Cardinal media. He didn't know how to recognize like simple concepts because he had never played it before. And when you're playing it, you're, you're the field general defensively and you can't recognize counter or power as an inside linebacker you're going to get taken advantage of. And that's exactly what happened. He looked like a complete bust. They finally made the transition late last off or late last season, put him an outside linebacker for depth purposes. And he flashed a little bit. And then when Chandler went down this year, uh, he was already in the rotation. 
he, he just got a chance to play every down. And it's not only the sacks, which people will see. And of course he had the five sack game last weekend against the giants. He is very athletic at tackles for loss and he can bat down passes and he's a good tackler in the open field. And he's just playing with more confidence. So it's, it's apropos for the Cardinals. You know, I would not be surprised if the Eagles brought him in this off season, because I think the Cardinals declining to pick up his fifth year option. We don't know if they're going to franchise tag him. I would not expect the Cardinals to get him locked up to a long-term deal. So he, he'll probably say to the Cardinals, you butchered my development. Imagine if he had gone to a Philadelphia or a Minnesota or a team that knew how to develop defensive linemen, pass rushers or a new Orleans, somebody like that, he would probably be on an extension right now in his second contract and have been productive since day one. So while I'm disappointed to have the Cardinals handled his development I'm happy for Hassan because this has clearly been something that's always been there, but they've just, they've been too cute with this whole thing. And um, it's just taken too long. I mean, it's his fourth year and he's now exploding. That just doesn't happen. Yeah. It was one of those things. Cause I was at the 2017 draft with it being in Philly and nice. the Cardinals picking right before the Eagles did. And before the Cardinals pick came in, I, there was a bunch of people around me like, Hey, we could get Hassan Reddick, like get the hometown kid playing at the link again, and I was about it. I was like, you know, this team needs a linebacker. Like, we're struggling at that position. He'd be a great fit for this defense. He's athletic. And then the Cardinals took him out. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Um, and it, it never made sense to me why it, it took this long for him to kind of blossom into the player that he is right now. And I, I get a lot of Brandon Graham vibes from him where, he, like, he's this late bloomer, yep. and he's going to come on – whether you know it is the Cardinals that bring him back for whatever reason, or he goes to another team where he's going to succeed and find a lot of just you know consistent success in his next contract. Yeah, I think so, and I think the Graham comparison is is spot on. The Cardinals had a player by the name of Calvin Pace from Wake Forest that they took in the Terrell Suggs draft in tw- in twenty two thousand three and did kind of the same thing and and he didn't really take off until his last year and then went on to have a really good career as an outside linebacker for the jets um i think we could see the same situation here i would not be surprised i mean if he eclipses 12 sacks if he gets a sack in each of the next three games i i just don't think with a team that you're trying to get to the next level and you've got chandler jones coming back next year i would be surprised if they didn't tag him but here's the thing you got to remember too is you know, he had five sacks coming into last week. He had been sackless for about a month to five weeks. And I know sacks aren't everything, but I mean, five sacks in one game and four in one fourth quarter, that's going to inflate his production a little bit, but he is, he is absolutely warranted another contract and I would have no problem paying him. He's a really good locker room guy. And I think, you know, you're talking about, there's probably not a lot of wear and tear on his body because he's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, so often as a Cardinal player. So I'm high character. I mean, he came on at Temple, was a DB. They cut him and they had a coaching change. They brought him back. He was just such a freak athletically, so gifted that they were just like, just get after the quarterback. And I, I remember watching that senior bowl. I'm like, he's really good. And then I'm like, well, we don't need a pass rusher. And they're like, no, 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 no. Everybody thinks he can play inside. I'm like, I, that doesn't make any sense. And it's part of the reason I think so many Cardinal fans this year myself included, were like, hey, I like Isaiah Simmons, but does he have a position? Is this another Hassan Reddick? Yeah, that that was always an interesting pick to me when the Cardinals went with Isaiah Simmons there. And uh, 
you know, overall with this defense, just as a, a unit, how have you felt about the way they've played this year? I know they've been, you know, pretty up and down, but overall, you know, what's kind of the, the take on the defense this year to pair with this offense that's been putting up points uh, and just looking, you know, really fun to watch? The defense to me has exceeded expectations. They had statistically one of the worst defenses in football last year, led by first-year D.C. Vance Joseph, of course, formerly the head coach of the uh, Denver Broncos. They brought him on. That talent they had defensively last year was probably bottom third, if not worse, in the NFL. Um, And so they struggled last year in part because Vance is trying to implement a new scheme, and you got all this – I mean, the Cardinals had the first pick in the draft in in 2019. So they were basically gutting the roster and starting over. Um, And so this year, they they added some free agents. I think most people thought if they can be somewhere in the vicinity of like 18, 19, 20, 21 overall defensively, they have a shot at at the postseason. The recording of this podcast, they're 13th overall and 13th in points per game. And that's a credit to Vance Joseph when you consider that um, Chandler Jones has been out really for the majority of the season. The last game he played was in week five against the jets and he didn't look right in that game. Anyway, towards bicep, they signed a couple players in free agency, Jordan Phillips and Devon Kennard. Both have been really disappointing misses. Kennard barely plays and, and Phillips has been, uh, on IR for a little while with an anchor. And he came back last week, got hurt again. The, the defensive talent compared to the offense is not nearly the same. Um, and I could argue that that Vance has done more with less. Yeah, and then, of course, the cherry on top is last week surrendering. I know Daniel Jones and the Giants, but just one touchdown uh, and then sacking Daniel Jones, you know, eight or nine times. The defense to me has exceeded expectations and they just they need to build off of last week's performance against a young rookie quarterback and Jalen Hurts. They got their probably their worst performance of the year was they had a really bad week at home against two in the Miami Dolphins. And, and two is probably his best game as a pro. Uh, it was the second week he started, and our defense just looked completely out of sync and gassed and let Tua basically do whatever he wanted. And I think they also struggle with mobile quarterbacks. So that, that's a narrative that we can that we can write out you know, throughout the duration of this week. But for, with, the, with the talent they have, or lack thereof, specifically on the defensive line, they do not have a, a bunch of – a plus players. They've they've been looking for a disruptive five technique defensive tackle since Calais Campbell left. They haven't found it. Linebacker is is hit or miss. Simmons plays. Isaiah Simmons plays about forty percent of the time. They've got two veterans in Jordan Hicks and Devondre Campbell that play ahead of him. Campbell's had been solid. Hicks has been the former Eagle has been middling. He had a really nice year last year in his first year with Arizona, but he looks slow this year. And then the secondary on paper, you would think, well, you've got Patrick Peterson and Buda Baker and, you know, Drake Kirkpatrick was a first rounder outside of Baker. You know, they've had ups and downs throughout the duration of the season. Baker is probably their best overall player defensively. But, you know, I would say Drake Kirkpatrick, who was signed just weeks before the start of the season, has been their most consistent corner. Patrick Peterson, who is approaching 30, 31 this offseason, he's a free agent. He just looks to me toast. Um, that's not to say every week he goes out there and, and has a brutal performance, but he can't cover number one receivers anymore. And so you look at this weekend's matchup against Philadelphia. This is a good matchup week for him because there's no dominant alpha receiver that he has to worry about. Like he, you know, he got exposed against Stefan Diggs. He, he struggles against the upper tier receivers, Metcalf, 
actually he did pretty well against Metcalf because he's just a little bit more physical, but like he can't handle with like the Cole Beasley's of the world. He can't handle with speed. So um, if the Eagles can, can, um, you know, utilize that matchup and, and get him on a mismatch with one of their faster receivers, that would be to their benefit. But overall defensively, they've been better than I expected. And I think they'll have a good performance this weekend. But my concern again is just, what we saw with Jalen Hurts last week and his ability to beat you with his legs, if the Cardinals aren't spying him and keeping him in the pocket and making him go through his progressions against the Eagles receiving core that's been you know, up and down this year, I think that that's on Vance Joseph. You can't lose to two rookie quarterbacks in the same season if you think you're a playoff team. How much of a benefit is it for the Cardinals' defense to have Kyler Murray as their starting quarterback to kind of – you know, get an idea of what potentially Jalen Hurts can do since they both come from that Oklahoma team. Uh, you know, that's got to be some sort of a benefit for them to at least get a get a feel of what they're going to be going up against. I think that's huge. Um, I think that when they played Baker Mayfield in, in Philadelphia and or uh, Cleveland last year, granted it's not the same Cleveland team that we're seeing this year. They had some success. Um, I think that's a big, big point of emphasis for this defense this week. I would also say that it helps now that we have a week of, of game field, not much, mm-hmm. but some from what he did last week against New Orleans. Um, because he, that, you watch that game, New Orleans had no idea what was coming. And Which I think baffled that, me. Right. Yeah. If that had been the Cardinals, I think they would have been in the same situation. I think they would have been gassed. I didn't think Hertz was that fast. And he clearly made a, a point of emphasis thinking that I can just outrun a lot of these edge perimeter players and the saints have a good defense. So I was really impressed with what I saw from him last week. And again, like I think the Cardinals will win this weekend because I think that just, they have the better overall team right now, but I would not be surprised if Hertz had another really nice game um, against a, a Cardinal defense that is susceptible to players that can move. I mean, they, you look at Daniel Jones, as an NFL quarterback, and I, I was happy to hear that he was starting instead of Colt McCoy because the guy just has no awareness in the pocket. He loves to turn the football over. I get it. He's, he's fast, straight line, but he runs into sacks. Um, that's not Hurts. Hurts, to me, at Oklahoma, very efficient. I was surprised he didn't go sooner. I liked the value pick for Philadelphia. And, you know, with, with everything going on with Carson Wentz right now, you know, I know you're stuck with that contract at least another year. I I, th- I would be intrigued by what you could do with Hertz just on a rookie deal, and not if you didn't have the baggage of Wentz on, on the roster as well. But because you have to leverage both of those at the same time, you probably won't be able to maximize Hertz's rookie deal. But I I like these these guys from the, that come from this offense. They produce, and and Hertz really carried the baton right after Murray and played well last year for an Oklahoma team that. I don't want to say that was rebuilding, but didn't have the same caliber of talent the year before when they made the final four. So I'm, I'm a Hertz fan and um, I, you know, don't want him to play particularly well this season or this, uh, this weekend. But I will say if I could have any quarterback remaining in this division uh, leading me down the stretch, it would be Hertz far and away, even if Alex Smith was playing. When it comes to this defense kind of scheming for Jalen Hurts and like obviously what we saw last week against the Saints was mind-blowing because they hadn't given up a hundred yard rusher in like three years and they gave up two in one game do you do you think that Vance Joseph just decides to you know stack the box put a spy on Hurts and then try to force him to to beat this Cardinals defense with his arm because I wasn't too impressed 
by Hertz throwing the ball last week against the Saints. He had some nice throws here and there, but it wasn't like something that flashed as like special to me, at least yet. Uh, do you think that should be what the Cardinals try to do on Sunday? Yeah, I would. I'm not sure what the game plan is going to be because every time I try to predict it, they do something else. I know that they've simplified their coverages in, in recent weeks, and that's when they had some success, specifically last week against the Giants. Um, and everybody says, well, you should just have Isaiah Simmons spy Jalen Hurts. And if it was that easy, Simmons would be playing every down and he would have a master defensive rookie of the year type resume. And that, that just hasn't come to fruition yet. I would imagine that they play their ends wide um, to try to keep him contained in the pocket. I think Buda Baker will play close to the line of scrimmage. Um, and I think that they'll they like to play a lot of different. Uh, formations in the back seven and they have a lot of interchangeable parts with Chris Banjo, Deontay Thompson, Byron Murphy, some Charles Washington, some nice secondary depth. Um, and they all tackle particularly well. So I think they'll probably lean on those individuals. They don't have a ton of talent up front on their defensive line, like I mentioned. So we I've seen scenarios in which they have a base of a two five. So they put either Lecky Foto, who's a rookie, nose tackle, Zach Allen or somebody like an Angelo Blackson up front uh, in a two-man front, and then they they can allow George, uh, Hassan Reddick, Jordan Hicks, Devondre Campbell, Isaiah Simmons, um, and Marcus Golden to all play linebacker at one time, and you can kick Marcus Golden a little bit out on the edge. So um, I would not be surprised to see that look this week. Um, Jalen Thompson, who's a second-year safety, who's played really well last year. He was a fifth-round supplemental pick out of Washington. Uh, Washington State, I believe. He is out again this week, so that hurts. Um, but I I think that if they can limit him to under 60 yards rushing, the Cardinals have a really good chance to win. But if he gets the edge, I mean, as poorly as Cam Newton played against the Cardinals two, three weeks ago in what was the worst loss of the season, I mean, Cam was inept throwing the ball. He did have success running the football, and they are susceptible to that. And I think that... Right now, we're seeing Jalen Hurts play with house money. There's no pressure on him. And then you've got somebody like Miles Sanders, who I've been high on all year, really kind of coming into his own because like Kyler Murray, when your quarterback has that threat to run, it opens up so many more things for you. So again, I and the Cardinals have been known to miss tackles at the line of scrimmage. Guys like Hicks and Campbell miss um, tackles and, and filling the hole. So Sanders is a really, really good player. And I think that, you know, of, of course, if the Cardinals can't limit the damage from the two of those individuals on the ground, the Eagles have a great chance to steal this game. Would you say this is the best overall defensive line Kyler's going to face all season? I don't. I, I Probably not because they faced Washington. Um, but they did get Washington in week two. Um, so you're Chase Young's second game as a pro. You're still implementing Ron Rivera's scheme. Um, what I've seen from Washington – in recent weeks has has been just outstanding and Kyler also did a really nice job both times last year against that vaunted front seven defensive line for San Francisco with Nick Bosa and DeForest Buckner and Arik Armstead and D Ford and he and he performed really well especially in their second meeting last year and he beat them week one I know they didn't have Buckner but this is up there this is top three for the year and again if they're if there's an area to exploit for the Cardinals offensively, it's their interior offensive line. And right now, they don't have anybody that can block Fletcher Cox. I'm a, I've been a huge fan of Derek Barnett. I know Javon Hargrave has played well this year. 
the Cardinals are going to need to protect him up the middle because he hasn't done a great job that being kind of recently stepping up in the pocket. And he's even if you look back at his one touchdown pass last week to Dan Arnold in the back of the end zone, the Giants got interior pressure. I can't remember who it was. I think one of the Giants recent first round picks might, might have been Dexter Lawrence had a sack on him in that game. The Cardinals tackles are, are good. Kelvin Beecham is underrated and DJ Humphreys should probably make a pro bowl this year, but the interior offensive line for Arizona Mason Cole is, I would say below average as the center. They benched J.R. Sweezy, who was a two-year addition last year, and they're starting an undrafted free agent, Justin Murray, who they've developed at right ta- right guard. And then Justin Pugh, who should be their staple, he's their highest-paid offensive lineman, former Giant, is um, questionable with an ankle. And if he doesn't go, then really watch out. So I think that, that if there's an opportunity to exploit the Cardinals, because they're fledgling offensively a little bit, it's with the defensive line for Philadelphia – um, but if they can solidify that and spread Philadelphia out, the matchups in the back seven are very favorable for, for Arizona. Um, but if you know this, I mean, if it doesn't matter who's in your second year, if you're getting pressure, consistent pressure, you can make anybody look like an all pro on the back seven. Absolutely. And if you look at this game going into it, who do you think is like your X factor player that could flip this game one way or another, uh, and is going to put on a show at four Oh five PM Eastern time. Uh, oh, for the man. whole world to see. So I I don't want to go with the logical answer, but I will. I think DeAndre Hopkins, if Darius Slay doesn't play or if he's limited, I know he had a concussion last week. Um, and just, I mean, Hopkins performs well against a lot of really solid number one corners. I just think that this is a game in which, you know, we've got three games left. The Cardinals need to win two of them to get to the postseason. I think you just continually feed this this player that, He's just so far and away your best option outside of Kyler. I think they get Hopkins involved early and often. I think they force feed him the football. I think he leads the NFL in uh, opposing penalties for corners or DBs. Um, He just draws so much attention. And Philadelphia is going to have a hard time containing him. If they if they are able to apply pressure, that's that's one thing. But if Kyler gets three to three to five seconds consistently, five to seven seconds they're going to be in, in trouble with Hopkins. So I'll go Hopkins on the offensive side. I'll get a little bit more creative defensively. I will say that, um, let's say defensively, Drake or Patrick played really well last week. Um, and he's an older player. He's 31 years old. He's got three picks this year, seven passes defense, very physical corner, uh, and did a really nice job on a Giants receiving core that's got some talent last week. Um, so I think that if, if the Cardinal cornerbacks as a group can be physical with these young receivers and, you know, Peterson will likely go up against Alshon and, you know, which means Dre's got one of the younger guys. Um, I think he's somebody that could turn the game with interception. He's, he's probably the most skilled right now, you know, with taking the ball away from opposing offenses. Yeah. I, I gotta go Deandre Hopkins because if Darius Slay <laughs> doesn't play, uh, you know, he's he's going to be matched up against potentially Michael Jaquette or Kayvon Seymour, like guys that n- n- even normal football fans that dive deep into film and everything hardly yeah, know. Yeah, it's not ideal. It, it is not ideal. I wouldn't even be surprised if Jalen Mills has to go out wide and play corner some more, um, but that's even going to be tough because Rodney McLeod's out for the season. So it, yeah. the, the secondary for the Eagles is going to get absolutely torched in this game, even if the Cardinals play – just a vanilla kind of, you know, 
average type of offensive game on Sunday. So uh, that's a big boost, and I think we could see uh, you know, a, a pretty big offensive for performance for this Cardinals team probably for the first time since that Hale Murray game. Yeah, I you know what? I think we're due for one. I thought it was going to be last week because I, I did think the Cardinals would have success against that Giants team that was probably reading their press clippings from the week before defeat against uh, beating Seattle, their first big victory in you know half a decade. Uh, I had I had confidence going into that game, and I I think this week we could see something similar. Um, you know, I I know that they have a superior head coach, and I'm a, I'm a fan of Doug Peterson. He's not Joe Judge to me, but I do think that you you beat a team like Seattle or excuse me New Orleans in prime time. Um, there's there's going to be a little bit of a hangover, and then you have to travel across country, uh, albeit with no fans in attendance. I I think the Cardinals will feel comfortable being able to come out and execute on their home field after building off of what was a, a nice victory last week. Um, and I, I don't want to say, I think they'll eclipse 30 points. I have respect for Jim Swartz and, you know, you have defensive linemen that can keep you in the game long enough, but I, I do think Arizona wins um, something in the vicinity of let's say 27, 21, but I, I do think Hertz plays well again. Last player analysis here. How the, sure. hell, how the hell is Andy Lee still punting? <laughs> well, <laughs> what a legend. Yeah, he, I mean, I think Arizona watched him for so long in San Francisco just dominate them that eventually they're like, I don't care how old you are, please come be our punter. <laughs> and for all the, the ups and downs that the Cardinals have had, mostly downs over the last three to four years, he's been one of their most consistent players. He's not the same kind of punter he once was, but he's not just egregiously awful. Um, and, I, you know, I think he's a free agent at the end of this year, but he's averaging about 44 yards per punt. Um, and inside the 20, he's got 16. I mean, the Cardinals don't punt all that often, or at least they hadn't been up until recently. So, I mean, he, there have been games he hasn't punted at all. So I just, he's, he's a solid player at this point in his career. I want to say, I think he's like 40. Let's pull this up here. I think he's like, yeah, he's, he's, no, he's 38. 38. I thought he was like, he's younger than I thought he was. Yeah. He could, he could probably play for a little longer. Um, but no, I, he's been around. I remember when he was in his prime of his career with San Francisco and he would bang like 60 yard punts, just ridiculous. Yeah. Him and Phil Dawson, like just unbelievable legends in the kicking game and i'm sure if pat mcafee ever listens to this podcast he'd be thrilled that we're talking about kickers and punters Um, this has been an absolute blast uh this game is going to be exciting exhilarating you know the two oklahoma quarterbacks going head to head uh i can't wait for it i'm sure we're going to be talking during the game but let everybody know johnny where you can uh where they can check out all your stuff that you do cover in the arizona cardinals Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Johnny Venerable, J-O-H-N-N-Y-V-E-N-E-R-A-B-L-E. I do the written word at revengeofthebirds.com. And then I also co-host the official Revenge of the Birds podcast with my buddy Blake Murphy. So come check us out, like and subscribe. I do a uh, live postgame Periscope show on Twitter uh, and have done so all season. Although I did read their sh- their shutting down Periscope on Twitter uh, in 2021. So come check out the last couple shows I'm actually able to do. But I'll hopefully find another sharing platform on Twitter. Uh, I'm just I love doing the post game interaction with fans, people who are passionate about football. Vent out your frustrations. Come and, and hang out. We'll talk some Cardinal football.
that is news to me that they're shutting down Periscope. Yeah, they're not. It's out of out of action in 2021. I read, which stinks. I know I follow a lot of people who put on really good Periscope live streams, so that hopefully maybe it means Twitter's getting their own live stream. I don't know. Hopefully that that would be such a bummer. I guess you know yeah. they're they're reintroducing the application to uh, submit to get verified. So I guess with with one bonus coming back, another thing falls. That's right. Yep. Uh, it's been an absolute blast, Johnny. Thanks again for hopping on the show, and I'm sure we'll talk on Sunday during the game because it's going to be one hell of a time. Hey, thanks so much, Kyle. Thank you to you and your fans, and yeah, good luck this weekend. So there you have it, Eagles fans. It's going to be one hell of a game on Sunday. We're going to have to uh, just see how it all plays out. And if Darius Slay gets you know cleared from concussion protocol by game time, uh, that could change some things a bit. We'll see how he goes head-to-head with DeAndre Hopkins. And this Eagles secondary being as banged up as it is, is going to be a major factor in whether they win or lose this game. You guys all know, I'd much rather this team just lose. Like, there's there's no benefit in winning. Uh, I don't, I just don't. I don't understand people that want this team to win and make the playoffs with how bad they are, how many holes this team has, and just the overall fact that like Howie Roseman has to go. Uh, getting into the playoffs doesn't help that decision move forward at all, even though there's reports out there that Jeffrey Lurie's not going to fire him regardless. Um, it, it's a mess, so... We'll see what happens on Sunday, and that's why you guys got to follow us on Twitter at UndergroundPHI, Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me on Twitter at KBIZZL311. And make sure you guys are checking out the website, UndergroundSportsPhiladelphia.com. It's where all of our written content goes up. And uh, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Leave those five-star ratings and reviews. Let me know how you're feeling about this team heading into Arizona, what they're you know, what your expectations are for Jalen Hurts the rest of the season and anything in between. Five stars only because we have standards. We know you do too, and we know your standards are five stars, so let's keep it a buck and get to 300 five-star ratings and reviews on our podcast feed, Underground Sports Philadelphia, in your favorite podcast app. We're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, the TuneIn app, iHeartRadioRadio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And we'll be back next week. It's Dallas Week 2.0. And uh, we should have a return of a familiar friend of the show for Dallas Week, Week 16. Can't believe it's already here. Big shout out to my man Johnny Venerable from Revenge of the Birds for hopping on this week. Being a, a first-time guest on Eagles Enemies was a ton of fun talking shop with him. Make sure you guys follow him and check out Revenge of the Birds, SB Nation's Cardinals blog. And... uh It's going to be one hell of a doozy. So thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week for Cowboys Week. This has been a Week 15 Arizona Cardinals edition of Eagles Enemies, presented by Underground Sports Philadelphia. I'm your host, KB, and as we always say, Go Birds!